You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 256. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Welcome back to the Earn That Body Podcast. This is Kim Eagle, and I hope your new year is going great. We are already, what, a couple weeks into January, and lots going on for Earn That Body. This is always such a busy time of year. Everybody has those New Year's resolutions that we talked a little bit about last week, and so I'm definitely very busy right now helping people get their nutrition back on track, their workouts back on track, and just so you know, everything I do, all my coaching is 100% online. I train people for nutrition, weight loss, performance, um, workouts, all online, all over the world. My clients literally live all over the world, and that probably is one of the things I love most about my business is that my reach is so big and it's so fantastic working with so many people from all over. So if you are feeling like you're just not getting to those New Year's resolutions on your own and you need that extra accountability, just as I always say, shoot me an email, kim at earnthatbody.com, because I am a one-woman show, and if you email me, I will personally email you back. Tell me what your goals are so I can help assess the best program option to help you reach your goals. And if you are doing great on your own and you're off on those 2022 New Year's resolutions and you're feeling awesome, I'm so super proud of you. That is fantastic. Let's keep it going. One of the things we're gonna talk about today is how to get your nutrition back on track for some of those who have sort of fallen off track or haven't made their way back yet from the holiday season, from COVID years. So sad that there's an S on the end of years when I talk about COVID at this point. But a lot of people still need help getting their nutrition back on track. And not everybody has the time to start food logging and working with a coach and whatnot. So I really wanted this episode to be a simple way to get everyone to look at nutrition a little bit differently, which will help you get your nutrition back on track. We're gonna talk about three things to get rid of and then about four things to add. End of story. You do those things in total, that seven things, you're gonna be doing great and probably gonna be losing weight without even having to track one calorie in a food log. All right, so we're gonna talk about all of that after this. Now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, we are going to be talking about is it safe to use aluminum foil in cooking? So this is something that I had definitely heard about before. People were starting to talk a while ago, like you shouldn't cook your food in aluminum foil. It's gonna leach into the food. And you know, I'm someone who likes to eat sweet potatoes and I usually wrap them up in tin foil and put them in the oven, um, roast them that way. But honestly, now more than ever, I've been like, mm, I think I've read, I'm not supposed to wrap my food in aluminum foil. And I kind of wanted to research it for selfish reasons on my own to see what exactly 
is it about aluminum foil that might be hurting or is it just a myth or what is it in total? And that's why I'm bringing this to you in the Eagle's Eye on Health today. Now, most of this information is coming from Healthline Magazine and they have a whole article that basically says, is it safe to use aluminum foil in your cooking? Now, aluminum foil, it's a common household product, right? We use it in so many things. You might just wrap up your leftovers in aluminum foil, but a lot of people also cook their food in aluminum foil. Now, there are small amounts of aluminum in our food, and that much I want you to know. Like, it's not just coming from aluminum foil. Aluminum is one of the most abundant metals on Earth, and in its natural state, it is bound to other elements like phosphate and sulfate in soil, in rocks, even in clay. Now, it's also found in very small amounts in the air, in water, and then in your food. And in fact, it's naturally occurring in most foods, including fruits, vegetables, meats, fish, grains, and even dairy products. Some foods like tea leaves, mushrooms, spinach, and radishes are also more likely to absorb and accumulate aluminum than other foods. Additionally, some of the aluminum you eat comes from processed food additives like preservatives, coloring agents, anti-caking agents, even thickeners that are put in your processed foods. I also want you to note that commercial, commercially produced foods containing food additives may contain more aluminum than your home cooked foods. Now the actual amount of aluminum present in food you eat is very dependent on several different factors. Like one, absorption. How readily a food absorbs and holds onto aluminum. Two, soil, the aluminum content of the soil the food was grown in. Three, packaging, if the food has been packaged and stored in aluminum packaging. And then four, additives, whether the food has had certain additives added during processing. Now, aluminum is also ingested through medications that have high aluminum content, and an example of this would actually be antacids, just so you know, right? Always good to know. And regardless, the aluminum content of food and medication is not considered to be a problem, as only a tiny amount of the aluminum you ingest is actually absorbed. The rest of it is gonna be passed in your feces, Furthermore, in healthy people, absorbed aluminum is even later excreted in your urine. So generally, the small amount of aluminum you ingest daily is considered safe. Now, cooking with aluminum foil, which is really what I was most conscious about recently, cooking with aluminum foil may increase the aluminum content of the foods you're eating. Now, most of your aluminum intake is gonna come from food. However, studies show that aluminum foil, even cooking utensils and containers can leach aluminum into your food. And this means that cooking with aluminum foil might in fact increase the aluminum content of your diet. Now, the amount of aluminum that passes into your food when cooking with aluminum foil is affected by a few things as well. The first thing, and probably not a surprise, is temperature. So cooking at higher temperatures 
would definitely have an impact on the amount of aluminum that passes into your food. Also the foods that you're cooking. Cooking with acidic foods like tomatoes, cabbage, rhubarb, that also would be a higher increase of aluminum in the food. And then certain ingredients like using salts and spices in your cooking. However, the amount that permeates your food when cooking can definitely vary. Now, an example of that would be that a study found that cooking red meat in aluminum foil could increase its aluminum content, are you ready for this? Between 89% and 378%. (laughs) That's kind of a big range there, right? Such studies have caused concern that the regular use of aluminum foil in cooking could be harmful to your health. However, there is currently no strong evidence linking the use of aluminum foil with an increased risk of disease. Now, what could be some health risks if you did have too much aluminum in your system? The day-to-day exposure to aluminum that you have through your food and cooking is considered safe. And this is because healthy people, are you, did you hear that? Healthy people can efficiently excrete the small amounts of aluminum the body does absorb. Nevertheless, dietary aluminum has been suggested as a potential factor in the development of Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease is a neurological condition caused by a loss of brain cells and people with the condition experience memory loss and reduction in brain function. The the cause of Alzheimer's is definitely unknown, but it is thought to be due to a combination of genetic and environmental factors which can damage the brain over time. Interestingly enough, everyone, high levels of aluminum have been found in the brains of people with Alzheimer's. However, as there is no link between people with a high intake of aluminum due to medications like antacids and Alzheimer's, it is unclear if dietary aluminum is truly a cause of the disease. It is possible that exposure to very high levels of dietary aluminum may contribute to the development of brain diseases like Alzheimer's, but the exact role aluminum plays in the development and progression of Alzheimer's, if any, is yet to be determined, all right? So how can you minimize your exposure to aluminum when cooking? It's impossible to completely remove aluminum from your diet, just so you know. So you want to work on ways to minimize it. Now, the World Health Organization, WHO, and Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, they have agreed that levels below 2 milligrams per 2.2 pounds of body weight per week are unlikely to cause health problems. Now, the European Food Safety Authority uses a more conservative estimate. I always think that's always very interesting that, uh, you know, we in the United States say one thing and Europe says another. Europe's a little more conservative. They say one milligram per 2.2 pounds of body weight. So I go with Europe. (laughs) I will pretty much always go with Europe when it comes to food and drug information, just so you know. I think that they do a much better job of safety around the foods that they let their people eat. Just side note there. Now, it's assumed that most people consume much less than these amounts, all right? So here are some steps you can take to minimize any other unnecessary exposure to aluminum when cooking. 
Avoid high heat cooking. So those really high temperatures, that's when it becomes a problem. So cook your foods at lower temperatures when possible. Use less aluminum foil. Reduce that use of aluminum foil when you cook, especially if cooking with the acidic foods like tomatoes or even lemons. They say that you should use non-aluminum utensils. Use non-aluminum utensils to cook your food, people. Um, they could be glass, they could be porcelain dishes, even your utensils. You wanna make sure that they are non-aluminum. And then avoid mixing aluminum foil and acidic foods, kind of already stated, because avoid when you avoid that, there's less absorption. It's those acidic foods like the tomato sauce, even rhubarb, lemon, the acidity has a lot to do with that absorption of the aluminum. Now, one last thing, commercially processed foods can be packaged in aluminum or contain food additives that contain aluminum. They may have higher levels of aluminum than their homemade equivalents. Just another of many great reasons to limit how much processed food you're eating, everyone, because it's not just the sucralose they're adding and the dye that they're adding, but now it's also how it's packaged potentially or what additives they have that might have higher amounts of things like aluminum. So what's the takeaway? I think that at the end of the day, the amounts that are leaching into the food, it sounds like it's very, very small and you probably don't have to worry about it. That being said, if you cook your food every single day in tinfoil, aluminum foil, I would say you'd probably want to minimize that. If you do it once a week, I probably would say it doesn't sound like you have too much to worry about. But I always like to bring you as much information as possible. This one caught my eye because again, sometimes I like to just throw that aluminum foil down on the tray that the food is on in the oven. And now I don't do that because I would rather have less, even though that probably wouldn't affect anything again because I do it maybe once a week. It's a personal choice for me. I want my food as clean as possible. So now you can make that choice for yourself as well. All right, so we all want to get our nutrition back on track, right? Holidays happened, COVID happened, Let's just face it, emotional eating happened, holiday eating happened, and maybe you thought January 1st, boom, you were gonna be on top of it. You were gonna be back to eating healthy, but all of a sudden you find yourself here, uh, you know, almost two weeks into the new year, and you're like, oh, I just can't seem to get this under control. I wanna give you three things that you can do that are out, and four things that you can do that are in, and if you put these things together, I think you're gonna rock your nutrition for the rest of this year, okay? So let's jump right into it. I'm not gonna act like these are things you haven't heard before because unfortunately at the end of the day, the way that I eat, the way that I help clients lose weight, it's never going to change because it's called balanced, healthy nutrition. I'm not going to bring you fad diets. I just, it, there's not a fad diet out there that has ever made it. <laughs> Do you realize that? Like every fad diet that comes out also goes away. You have to be able to eat 
balanced nutrition. You have to be able to eat in a way that is sustainable over time. And that's why the fad diets simply don't work. They're in, they're out. They seem like they might be easy. Like you're like, oh, well, it's just easy to say, I'm not gonna eat carbs. Now, I'm always fascinated by that because yeah, it's easy to say that. And maybe it's easy to do in terms of looking at your plate and you're like, oh, I don't have any bread and I don't eat pasta and you know, I don't eat carbs anymore. But that would mean you don't eat fruit either, which would be super unhealthy. And honestly, that's harder to do than simply balancing your nutrition overall and being able to eat healthy carbs in moderation. So don't fool yourself with some of these fad diets where you're like, oh, that seems simple. That's a simple way for me to lose weight. I just have to take this out of my diet. Anytime you take something really major out of your diet, it's probably not sustainable. And it's probably not healthy. Like taking carbs out of your diet is, at the end of the day, it's not healthy. I'm just gonna say it. Your body needs healthy carbohydrates. No, it doesn't need crappy carbohydrates. It doesn't need the processed carbohydrates by any means. But it does need carbohydrates. It's one of the main nutrients that our body needs. Carbs, protein, fat, right? So anytime you get on this whim that to go on that fad diet because your neighbor is and you have a fear of missing out on that weight loss, it's like a different kind of FOMO, right? When you hear that your neighbor, your best friend, they're going on this diet and you're like so afraid that they're gonna lose weight and you're not. So you wanna jump on this silly fad diet with them with that FOMO, fear of missing out in mind. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to do it. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you three things that you can let go of, but I'm not telling you that you should let go of them 100% and never do them again, because that wouldn't be realistic. The very first one, you know it, I've said it before, but this is probably the most essential one. I feel like if I took someone and did, if I could only tell them one thing they had to change to lose weight, this would be the one thing that would make the most impact on their body and their health. Stop eating out so often. We cannot control the food when we eat out. The sodium is off the charts, so anytime you go to Mexican food, please be prepared to get on the scale next day and be two to three pounds up in weight, and that's water weight, people, okay? It's from the sodium. You're gonna eat way more calories whenever you eat out because the portions are enormous. And you are gonna get more fat, there's gonna be more butter, it's gonna be drenched in oil. When you eat out, you're never, you're never gonna be able to eat as healthy as when you eat home, okay? In our country, people are eating out more than they are eating home. That is really very sad because eating your own food from home is always gonna be the healthiest thing. But so many people have gotten lost and feel like they don't have time. They don't have time to cook their own food anymore. So they're gonna go through the drive-through. They're gonna eat three of their meals a day from Starbucks or God knows where else. I won't even say Mick, you know what's. Um, you know, going through any drive-through is probably a bad idea for any meal. So you might even tell yourself, not only am I not gonna eat out as much, I promise not to go through drive-throughs for my meals anymore, okay? so. Of course, you're gonna eat out, but it has to be done in moderation. So I probably eat out two to three times a week max, and that's on the weekends because that's 
for me and most people, the most enjoyable time to not have to cook. You're tired from the week and you want to enjoy eating out. So if you tend to eat out on the weekends and you want to still be able to do that, guess what? Cut eating out during the week. Yeah, that might mean you don't go through the Starbucks drive through for your breakfast. That McMuffin, whatever they call it, it's not a McMuffin, but that, you know, turkey, reduced fat on the muffin, you know which one I'm talking about because y'all put it on your food logs thinking it's so healthy. It's really not that healthy. It's loaded in sodium. It's loaded in fat. It's loaded in calories. You could make that at your house in four to five minutes, maybe less. Okay, so stop eating out for your meals, especially during the week. Save the eating out for the weekend and minimize it to like two to three times a week. And yes, I do include Starbucks as eating out. So if you're going to go and get a coffee and a banana bread or a coffee that has God knows what in it, it, I consider that eating out. I I mean, I personally just don't like Starbucks. I don't even think they make good coffee anymore. Is anyone with me on that? So Save your money and spend it on organic food that you can cook at home, okay? So that's number one, less eating out. If you just did that one thing, I bet you would lose more weight than you can even imagine. Number two, you don't wanna do it, I get it, I say it all the time, you're gonna be mad at me, but alcohol. We gotta get the alcohol out. Do we have to get it out 100%? Not unless you have an actual alcohol problem. Okay, if you know who you, if you know you have a problem with alcohol, then yes, you, you should not drink it at all. Okay, and hopefully you're getting help with that addiction. For other people, I think that alcohol can be enjoyed in a moderate way, right? So what does that mean? Probably the same as eating out. How about two to three drinks a week? Could you do that? I do it. I do it every week. I like to have my alcohol on the weekend. Like, again, that's my relaxed time. So I eat super clean and healthy Monday through Friday. I cook Monday through Friday. I don't really go out much Monday through Friday, and I don't drink Monday through Friday, okay? Well, maybe sometimes on Friday. I'm not going to lie. If Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that might be my one, two, three drink. But I do not have wine every single night, okay? I don't have a cocktail every single night, and I never have more than one drink a night. Now that's me. It's a good thing to shoot for, everyone. Let me tell you why. I've done a lot of podcast episodes on alcohol. So if you're struggling with alcohol, go back and look at all the podcasts I've done on alcohol. Just so you know, if you go to earnthatbody.com, there is a podcast tab. You can scroll through to the bottom and see every single episode I've ever done, or just go to iTunes and you can scroll there as well or any of the podcast um, apps out there. I've done a lot on alcohol. Alcohol is not just wasted calories. To me, that's sort of the least of it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of calories in your glass of wine. That's not really what I'm worried about. What happens is we drink And then the inhibitions sort of get lost, right? So you drink one glass of wine, it potentially leads to two glasses of wine. And now before you know it, you're like, what the heck? I've already had two, I may as well have three. And then with the third glass of wine, you're like, oh, what the heck? I'm gonna have the burger and fries. Oh, I'll just start my diet tomorrow. We start throwing everything out the window, right? So you're listening to this podcast today because you wanna get your nutrition back on track. So then drinking is not gonna help that. As you can see, there's this little cycle that starts. It's the one drink into two drinks into three drinks into bad food. 
So that's one side of alcohol. The other side of alcohol is that when you drink too much, you will not sleep well. Don't ask me why, because I feel like it should be the other way around. I know I've said that before, but I feel like if we drink a lot, we should just pass out and have the best night's sleep ever. But guess what? As you all know, it does not work that way. You're gonna sleep terribly. If you drink too much, you do not sleep well. And when you do not sleep well, you will wake up the next day and you will crave carbohydrates. This is a very normal thing. Not getting enough sleep in night time, not getting enough solid sleep, will leave you sleep deprived, will leave you in the morning craving carbohydrates and usually unhealthy carbohydrates the rest of the day. So now you're creating another cycle. We went from one drink to two drink. Oh, I'll just have three. Now I'm just gonna eat all this bad food. Now I'm gonna go to sleep and I sleep terribly. I wake up the next morning and all I want are carbohydrates. I want the pancakes. I want all the carbs that I can, I want the candy. I want the, uh, the Starbucks um, <laughs> banana nut bread. Like, all the unhealthy carbohydrates. So that's not gonna help you get your nutrition back on track. And you can see now where one glass of wine could turn into two, can turn into a vicious cycle that is going to just lead to one unhealthy habit after another. So you gotta limit the alcohol, everyone. You're gonna feel so much better when you limit the alcohol. I would say two to three drinks per week max. And if that means you wanna save them for the weekend, save them for the weekend. The third thing that's out, if it's not alcohol for some people, it's sweets for some people. We've also done podcasts on sweets, so if you need that help too, definitely do it. Sugar addiction is just another addiction, right? It's just like alcohol addiction for some people. Some people are addicted to alcohol and some people truly are addicted to sugar. Unfortunately, the more sugar you eat, the more you will crave it. So sometimes people say to me, would it really be that bad if every day I ate super healthy and then every night I had like a few Hershey's Kisses? No, it's not that it would be bad and the amount of calories and sugar in a few Hershey's Kisses is probably not gonna do a whole lot of damage. But what it is going to do is it's going to create a cycle, just like the alcohol has sort of a cycle. If you have three Hershey's Kisses every night, then guess what? After dinner, every single night, you will crave sugar. So if you have sugar every single night, like three Hershey's Kisses, then every single night, you should expect to crave that sugar. If you have sugar every morning, you should expect to crave it every morning. The more sugar you eat, the more your body wants more. It is a very serious addiction for many people. Now, I personally think that you should be able to have a few sweet treats during the week. I don't think that you should say, I don't eat any sugar. For one, fruit has sugar, and I hope that you eat two pieces of fruit a day because that's super important. It's not that your body can't have sugar. It's that you need to do it in moderation, and you want to watch where your sugar comes from because a lot of the sweet treats that you're having are processed and they have they could have a lot of calories, a lot of fat, obviously a lot of sugar, and you start to get into this cycle where the more you eat it, the more you crave it, the harder it is to stop. Um, so all I can recommend is let's just put it out there that sweets are gonna be like alcohol is gonna be like eating out. Have two to three sweet treats per week. And if that's something you wanna enjoy on the weekend, great. If that's something you wanna enjoy during the week, great. 
but literally limit it to two to three a week. And when I say a sweet treat, I'm not like you go and you eat the whole chocolate pie. Like that was my treat, I had the chocolate. No, you have one serving. And if you cannot limit that serving, then for one, don't bring the whole pie into your house. (laughs) Always make sure if you are really struggling with sugar that you don't have it in the house. If it's in the house, you will eat it. If it's not in the house, you will not eat it, right? So if you are gonna bring a sweet treat into the house, bring the amount of one serving. That's it. Don't get the jumbo candy bar and tell me, well, that was one candy bar, that was one serving. No, it probably even says on the candy bar, it's like one little square of the jumbo candy bar (laughs) would be a serving. But really try to limit yourself to one serving two to three times. Now, if you did these three things, if you ate out, drank alcohol, and had a sweet treat two to three times a week max, I can almost guarantee you would lose weight if you're doing those things a lot more than that right now. That is a simple, easy step you can make in terms of what is out. Now let's talk about what is in, meaning what can you now add into your diet to get your nutrition back on track so that you can feel your best again. The first thing that you need to start bringing back into your diet, which my guess is, is not super high on your nutritional list right now, knowing that you are sort of maybe coming off the holidays and coming off COVID, emotional eating. The first thing you need to add back in is real food. Now you might be like, oh, I hate when people say, oh, eat real food. But honestly, it is the thing our society is lacking so much right now. Our food system is going into the toilet right now. And only you can make the decision that you're not going to let your food go into the toilet right now just because the rest of society is. And there's that is like a whole podcast in itself that we will talk about this year. But I want you to start eating real food. Real food pretty much means it came from a mother or it came from the earth. I'm sorry to say it that way, especially if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, that might really upset you, but these are the two things that are the most real. If it came from a mother, so we're talking about chicken, beef, um, turkey, eggs, right? Those things, perfectly fine to eat. I'm not a vegetarian, I'm not pro-vegetarian. If you're a vegetarian or vegan, I am not saying there's anything wrong with what you're doing, that is a personal choice. But there is a certain amount of protein the body does need and those things are real food. Now I am a huge proponent of knowing where that meat comes from. I will not just buy any meat, I will only eat organic meat. I would rather eat a vegetarian dish in a restaurant if I don't know that the meat is organic. Am I saying I never ever have chicken at a restaurant? No, I'm not gonna say never ever, but I generally will eat less meat when I eat out these days because I don't know where that meat comes from. But real food is either coming from a mother, even fish, that's a great one as well, or coming from the earth. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the vegetables and the fruit. I want you to start asking yourself, where is the food on your plate coming from? So are you eating a bunch of garbage that came through drive-through that's fried 
and processed and all these additives that are being put on top of it? Or are you eating like the whole source of food? Just getting back to real food as close to the source as possible. That means that the food is like one to three ingredients max. It doesn't have a paragraph of ingredients. So, you know, often people send me, my clients will be like, can I eat this? It's something, you know, it's like some kind of boxed fish or something. And I say, I always say the same thing. Send me the ingredients so I can see what's in it. And then they always send me how many grams of fat it is and protein and and carbs and how many calories it has. And then I have to email them back and say, I didn't ask for that. I asked for the ingredients in it. I want to see what's in this box of fish that you're eating from the frozen section. And then I can see what's added to it. If there is a paragraph full of chemicals added to the fish to preserve it, to dye it so it looks a certain color, all this stuff, then I'm gonna say that's not the greatest food source, right? So it would be so much better if that salmon ingredients just said salmon, maybe some salt, who knows. But it's gotta be as close to the source as possible. So eating real food again, getting back to real food is really important. The next thing that's really important is you have to start bringing vegetables back into your diet because it's the first thing to go in the holidays. It's not something you crave when you're emotional eating. Let's face it. You're not having a super stressful day and then going to go eat a whole entire bowl of broccoli. (laughs) It doesn't happen. But now that we want to get our nutrition back on track, we've got to get those vegetables back in our diet. Now, technically, as you know, because I know you listen to the podcast, you're shooting for five servings of vegetables a day. Sounds super overwhelming. It's really not, you guys. A half a cup is considered a serving of a vegetable. Do you know how much a half a cup of broccoli is? I feel like it's barely like three to four heads of broccoli, right? So probably right there, you could always eat a full cup, which is at dinner, you could easily eat a full cup of broccoli that's already two servings of your day. And then it would be one cup for a leafy green. So your spinach, your kale, your salad type greens, that's one cup. Again, one cup of salad greens is a given. Most of you could easily put away two cups for your salad and it wouldn't be that big a deal. So you gotta be shooting for five servings a day. Don't make it a bigger deal than it is. Throw the spinach in your eggs, get some salad greens with lunch, and then give yourself a really nice serving of a roasted vegetable like broccoli or cauliflower or Brussels sprouts at night. Don't go and tell me that you're ate all these vegetables and it's all carrots and corn and peas and potatoes. If you're trying to shed a few pounds, let's get you off the really carb heavy vegetables and let's get the cruciferous vegetables in the diet. So I'm always telling my clients, broccoli, cauliflower, kale, spinach, Brussels sprouts, artichokes, all of those are solid vegetables, right? They have a lot of fiber in them. They are so good for you. Lots of nutrients, lots of vitamins. Make your plate colorful with your vegetables. So eating real food, eating vegetables, obviously number three goes hand in hand with vegetables. It's the fruit. Yes, I want you to add fruit in your diet. So I see a lot of people avoiding fruit because they think they have to avoid carbohydrates. 
You don't have to avoid carbohydrates to lose weight and you shouldn't avoid carbohydrates because the body needs a certain amount of healthy carbs and a fruit would be a very healthy carb. Now, unlike vegetables, as we always say, you have to limit how many fruits you have because fruit does have a lot of sugar and sugar is sugar. So eat super sugary fruit every night after dinner and you will crave a lot of super sugary fruit every night after dinner. Now, if that's when you're gonna have your one fruit, um, you maybe you have one in the morning and one at night, then I think that's fine. I like to use fruit as my dessert at night because it does sort of satisfy that sweet tooth and at least I'm then getting fiber, vitamins with the sweet, you know, with the sweet taste versus just some kind of processed sugar. I say two fruits a day. That's about what you should be looking at. You could be doing three, that would probably be fine as well. But again, it is a lot of sugar. Some fruits have a lot more sugar than others. So just beware that cherries and grapes have a ton of sugar. So don't be eating like one cup of grapes. If you do, I want you to go Google how much sugar that is. It's a lot. You might have to really limit the grapes if you're getting a little high in the sugar in your day. So fruit, and vegetables. They are essential. One thing that I think is really funny is that when vegetarians and vegans come to me as a client, and I understand they they don't eat meat, they don't want to, and a vegan is a whole different level of that, that's fine. That is totally a personal choice. But then what I'm amazed to see is they don't really eat vegetables. Like if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, I hope you're eating more than five servings of vegetables in a day. You've got to be. You've got to fill your plate with something that's real food, not just fake vegan vegetarian meat and all of the chemical processed, you know, vegetarian fake um, foods out there. That's that's not the real food, right? So I want to see you eating lots of vegetables. Vegetables and fruits are an important part of a healthy diet. It's, it sounds so super boring, like nobody wants to hear it, but it is crucial for a balanced diet and the variety that you eat is also really important. No single fruit or vegetable provides all of the nutrients you need to be healthy. And that's why you want to always rotate through all different kinds of fruit and vegetables so that you're getting all different kinds of nutrients in your diet. A diet rich in vegetables and fruits, they say that it can help lower blood pressure, it reduces the risk of heart disease, it reduces the risk of stroke, it prevents some type of cancer, it can lower the risk of eye and digestive problems, and it has a very positive effect upon blood sugar, which can help your keep your appetite in check right? So eating non-starchy vegetables, as I said, and fruits, you want to eat things like apples and pears and green leafy vegetables that also, they say, can help promote weight loss. So super important that we get in the fruits and vegetables in our diet. So we're adding real food, we're adding the veggies back in, we're getting in our two fruits. And the last thing that I think is super important that you add back in that you may not even really focus on very often would be whole grains, all right? Whole grains are better than refined grains, <laughs> just so you understand. All types of grains are good sources of complex carbohydrates and some key vitamins and minerals, but whole grains, 
The healthiest kind of grains in particular are important for that healthy and balanced diet. Now grains are naturally high in fiber. That means that they're gonna help you feel full and satisfied and that makes it so much easier to maintain a healthy body weight. Whole grains are also linked to a lower risk of heart disease, a lower risk of diabetes, certain cancers, and other health problems. Now the Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends that at least half of all the grains you eat are whole grains. And if you're like most people, you're not getting enough of those, all right? Most people are not getting enough whole grains in their diet. Super important, all right? Whole grains are either present in their whole form or ground, just so you know, into a flour while retaining all the parts of the seed, the, the bran, the germ, the endosperm. And compared with other types of grains, whole grains are better sources of fiber and other important nutrients like your vitamin B, your iron, your folate, your selenium, potassium, magnesium. Whole grains are either single foods like your brown rice and your popcorn or they are ingredients in products, such as your buckwheat in pancakes or maybe even whole wheat flour in, uh, in bread. Now, when you're choosing whole grains, you wanna make at least half the grains in your diet, at least half whole grains, and you can find whole grain versions of things like rice and bread and cereal, flour, pasta, at almost all grocery stores these days. And many whole grain foods, including breads and pastas and cereals, they're ready to eat, right? So they're easy to grab, so it's easy to get them in. Now you might be thinking, well, explain it, like what is a whole grain? Well, here's some examples. Barley, brown rice over that white rice, right? Buckwheat, bulgur, millet, oatmeal. I have oatmeal almost every day. Even popcorn is a whole grain. Whole wheat bread, there's whole wheat pasta, there's even whole wheat crackers. Now I will say this, it's not always easy to tell what kind of grains a product has, especially when you're looking at breads. An example would be that a brown bread, you might grab and think that it's whole wheat, but the brown color of it, that can actually come from added coloring. So if you're not sure if something has whole grains, you should always check the label or the nutrition facts panel on it. You wanna look for the word whole on the package and you wanna make sure whole grains appear among the first items in the ingredient list. So always checking the label is essential. I check the label on almost everything and then I like double check it. Like even still when I buy milk because sometimes I might grab a different brand depending on what they have, I always check the ingredients to make sure it doesn't have carrageenan. Whenever I pick a, a bread or a pasta or anything, I always look at the ingredients and the label to make sure there's nothing added to it that I might not know about. I wanna make sure it has whole grains in it. I've got to see that on the label. So important. So in review, everybody, if you're trying to get your nutrition back on track and you don't wanna make it a big deal, all you have to do is eat out, have alcohol and sweets two to three times max in a week, you're gonna add a lot more real food back in your diet. That's gonna include your vegetables, your fruit, your whole grains, your organic protein as well. If you were to focus on taking those three things out and adding those three, four things in, I can almost promise you 
that within three to five days, you're going to feel so much better and you are going to start to see weight loss again. Put it all together. When I talk about the cycle of alcohol, it creates a vicious cycle. The cycle of sweets, it creates a vicious cycle. Well, guess what? Eating balanced and healthy, it creates an amazing cycle. What is it? What is that cycle? When you start eating this way and you get the processed food out and you get all the eating out food out and you add in all the real food, all of a sudden you have more energy. You don't have the high low crashes during the day. Your bowel movements become more regular. That um, you sleep better generally. You'll feel more full. You won't have so many cravings. You'll be less bloated. I mean, all of those things to me are worth it and that makes me want to eat healthy more often and so that's the cycle it's all of these things are going to make you feel better and i always tell my clients embrace what feeling better feels like because that's what's going to help you keep going now if you have a bad day and you do go out and you had the deep dish pizza and you had a few too many slices it's fine. It, you know, it's not like, oh, I, I blew it, so now I'm just going to be off track the rest of the weekend and the rest of the week. If you have a meal that's not super healthy, just get back on track the very next meal. Don't add any emotion to it. You're not good. You're not bad. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't feel anything. You just ate a little more, and you're going to hydrate and get back on track your next meal. You're not going to wait till Monday. You're not going to wait till next week. You're not going to wait till January of next year. You're just gonna get back on track your very next meal. Just remember that everything you do, every little step you take in the right direction is awesome. And whether that happens fast for you or slow for you, if you just keep taking steps in the right direction, eventually you will get to where you want to be. And I truly hope that these tips today help you get your nutrition back on track. Just remember this whole month is about helping you, giving you tips to really get your workouts, your nutrition, your goals on track for a successful 2022. That means next week, we're gonna be talking about workouts and what you can do, how I can inspire you, how I can get those workouts back on track too. Just remember everyone, the Earn That Body podcast is always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. 